Welcome back to the T-Druff, the Film Buff podcast. Uh, this is the first episode and I believe a month, I think it was a month ago today, November 9th, recorded that last episode. And of course, as I said, as many times throughout quarantine, I was going to record, uh, starting to do weekly once again. Uh, just hasn't been the case. Not as much stuff to talk about. Of course, we have plenty of things to get to today. Um, not even really going to do the what I've, what I've been watching recently. Uh, is what I usually do at the end of, as Mia just moans in the background, she's like, oh my gosh, this podcast again? Listen, Mia, it's only been once a month, it's not that big of a deal. And here she comes, she's like, what do you mean, can I participate? Anyway, uh, I'm not going to do the the typically, uh, typical segment at the end of the episode, you know, what I've been watching recently, because honestly, it's not a ton of stuff. Besides rewatching Game of Thrones for the 11th time, I believe it is. Not a ton of stuff going on here. Um, I've been rewatching more movies than I have um, watching new movies, actually. Uh, rewatched uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer the other day. Um, Wonder about a week and a half ago. Um, yeah, I mean, it, just not a ton of not a ton of new things to review or comment on. Uh, more news items, I guess. A couple of sports things to get to at the, off the top here. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what this podcast is going to be like in 2021, because I think, if I'm remembering correctly, I think I've only done maybe eight this year, when I think last year I did like 45 maybe? Let's see. All right, so in 2020, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I've done 18. I keep forgetting the beginning of the year was like normal. Like it took two and a half months to get to COVID. Um, but anyway, I did 37 last year and only 18 so far this year. So really just half of what I did. Um, and we did pretty much every single week in 2019. I'm going to try to get back to that in 2021. I know I've said that a lot, but there's just no reason not to have at least a little bit of podcast every week maybe 20 minutes here 20 minutes there we don't have to do the typical 50 to 55 minutes that i like to do um although most of the episodes this year have been shorter anyway let's get to what we're going to talk about so i found this really strange i think it was right after it was like directly after the episode i recorded on november 9th that that was the day that tony Larusa. Or it came out at least that day that Tony LaRusso was, you know, had the DUI back in February or whatever it was, and then it was coming out the whole transcript of what happened and, and all all that stuff, and that dropped like maybe an hour after I recorded the podcast, and that that was like me. I, I remember being on that podcast, and I was like, no, I'm gonna think to, or I'm gonna choose to be more optimistic about the signing of Tony LaRusso as the manager. I'm gonna be optimistic about him you know, having a good relationship with the players and all sorts of things like that. And I was like, really? Like, really? That happened right after? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, of course, right? And I think there was one other thing, too, that dropped, like, right after I was, uh, gosh, now I, I gotta, now I gotta remember. No, I, you know what? It's, it's not worth just scrolling through my Google Docs. Um, Anyway, so that yeah, that happened like right after I recorded that last episode. And it's like, what kind of mojo is that, right? Just weird karma in that way about the Tony La Russa signing. 
But anyway, it hasn't just been Tony La Russa. The Sox have just been making moves left and right. I think a couple days after I recorded that episode, they announced that they were returning to ESPN 1000 on the radio side of things, which is pretty exciting. I mean, ESPN 1000 has always been my jam, more so than 670 the score. Um, and I like that, you know, we can have Waddle and Sylvie feed right into White Sox baseball all summer long. Um, that's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that. Um, and honestly, I think I'm pretty sure the last time they were on ESPN 1000 was when they won the World Series in 05. And I think they left about a month later or something like that to sign with 670, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. So that's pretty cool. Like, that's the last time they were on it. And you know what? Who knows? This year, or at least in one of the upcoming years, maybe they win it all again. And I don't know. I mean, who cares really what station they're on and the radio? It really doesn't matter. I'm not really going to be listening that much. Um... On the radio, I'm hoping to be in front of the TV for most um, most of the year. And I'm trying to figure out what what sort of contract did they sign? Um, yeah, because this was like a, the worst kept secret. I mean, like everybody kind of knew that was going to happen. It was an opening. Um yeah, so I guess, okay, so they're going to start in the Cactus League in spring training. That's what they're going to start. That makes sense. Um, and, yeah, of course, this article is going on and on about how Ed Farmer um, and, and John Rooney were on the call back in 05 when they won the series. Um, yeah, so, I mean, no no real news here is how long that contract is. Not that it really matters. I'm sure it's like a five-year deal or maybe a three-year deal, and they'll resign after that. But, anyway, speaking of the radio side, Len Casper decided that Radio was his jam, and he wanted to leave one of the most coveted jobs in baseball, which is the Cubs TV play-by-play guy, and become the play-by-play guy here on the south side for the White Sox. So, um, you know, I've never been a big Len Casper guy. I know all my Cubs fans, Cub fan friends are very disappointed in this. They love Len, and I get it. Like, you get attached to your own broadcasters, right? Like, I loved Hawk, you know, for a long time before he kind of just became too old. And just too, too out of touch uh, with re, the baseball reality at that point. I think just he wasn't, he wasn't accepting of the new ways of baseball. So I think just time got the best of him at that point. And so, but I'm happy with Jason Benetti, and I love Steve Stone. I think he's the best in the business. I get it. You get attached to these guys, but I've just never been a Len Casper guy. I don't like his voice. It's very nasally. It's very. I hate to say obnoxious. I know I said that on Twitter. I hate to say that. But it is kind of borderline obnoxious. Like, I just don't like... If you're going to be a play-by-play guy, especially on the radio as well, you're the one painting the picture. You know, you're not the one that's enhancing the picture you see on a TV. And you can kind of have, you know, more banter back and forth with your color guy, like what Benetti and Steve Stone have. Like, on the radio, you have to be describing everything you see. And so that means, like, when you're listening on the radio, you're really, really locked in to every, like, you're locked into the voice, right? And if you can't stand the voice, I mean, sorry, I'm just not going to listen. I'm only going to listen when I have to. And uh, (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure if we check back in in a year on this podcast, I bet you I'm like, oh, Len Casper's great. 
that was fun. That was awesome. That was a good good call by the White Sox to sign Len Casper. Like, you know, I'll probably change my mind. I'm telling I'm telling you that now because there's just no point in saying I told you so because I'm pretty sure I'm going to tell myself I told you so. Um, but anyway, so that's sort of exciting there. Abreu won MVP since the last time I recorded a podcast, which much deserving, not shocking at all. Um, so that's really the White Sox uh, in terms of the updates besides the players signing, which just happened yesterday. Um, so, well, I guess it was Monday night's in exchange for Dane Dunning and what is it, Avery Weems or something like that as their minor league uh, left-handed pitcher, I think. Um, and I got to be honest, like, I became a pretty big Dunning guy by the end of the year. I know he only pitched in seven starts. Like, he only threw, uh, you know, a certain amount of innings. It was like maybe 20 or 30 innings at most, something like that. So I get it. Like, you know, there's no point to get attached to prospects when you're in the win-now mode. Lance Lynn is certainly an upgrade right now to Dane Dunning. But if he's only got one year left on his deal, this is what you got for Lance Lynn. You have this year. So you better hope that he is damn good this year, that he brings you to deep into the playoffs, if not the World Series. Because to me, Dane Dunning is going to possibly be Lance Lynn in the future. I think he's got the... I think he's got the talent to be, you know, he's not going to be that big of a strikeout pitcher, I don't think. I think he's going to get like four or five Ks a game and just control the game, kind of like what Dallas Keuchel does just as a right-handed pitcher, right? Like he's just, I think he's just, he's such an accurate pitcher. It didn't seem like he walked a lot of guys last year. Um, I just was, mm, I was a little nervous about giving that away. I would have rather given up Cease for sure, but I would imagine at this point, I don't think Cease has had as much, um, had as much value as Dane Dunning did, believe it or not. Like, Dane Dunning really showed promise. Cease, he had maybe one or two good starts. The rest of them were just looked really bad. And then on the stat sheet, you're like, oh, that was a good start. But if you watch the starts on TV, you're like, this guy is out of control. He gets incredibly lucky with the fielding that he gets. And the offense always supports him. Um, so I would have rather given up Cease. I would have even at this point maybe rather given up Kopech. I know that's crazy. Because Kopech has that ace-like ability, you'd think. Um, I just don't know if it's... I don't know. I don't, there's just things about Kopech that are just such big question marks. I mean, it's going to be, what, two and a half years, almost three years since the last time he pitched in an actual game. Um, and, you know, I don't want to speculate, but there's been some things that apparently he's gone through mentally that maybe he's just not the most reliable, which is not necessarily the most fair thing to say because it's not like it's his fault. It's just, you know, this is a professional organization with expectations that you're going to need to go out there every five days. And I, I'm all for, you know, whatever he needs to do, get in the right mindset. But, um, you know, if, if he's not reliable, then that's not necessarily what you want out of a pitcher. Um, but by all means, it seems like a great guy. Anyway, we'll see about that. And they, of course, brought Adam Eaton back as well. I can't believe I'm already talking for 11 minutes about the Sox here. Did not expect that. Um, Adam Eaton is going to be a starting right fielder for them, I would imagine, at this point after that signing. Very interesting signing considering the, the troubles he had in the clubhouse back in 2016. Um, as well as that that interesting conversation he had with Carmen Yerko yesterday on ESPN 1000. It's just weird. I don't think he actually hung up on them. Like people are saying, it wasn't really a hang-up. It was just weird. Just weird. 
Um, and that's not really what I want. I want consistency. We, we have most pieces here. We just want somebody who's consistent. And I think Adam Eaton will fill that role well. All he really needs to do is hit like 260, get on base at like a 330, 340 level, and play decent defense. And he is astronomically better than Nomar Mazzara. Because let's, let's just take a look at Nomar Mazzara's stats for last year. I mean, that was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he hit, what, one home run, I think it was? He hit one home run at 15 RBIs. He only had 31 hits. He hit 228 and had an on-base of 295 and slugged 294. OPS of 589. Sorry, that's not getting it done, Nomar Mazzara. I know all the potential he's got. Oh, he hits 20 bombs a year, 20, 20, 20, 19 home runs. I mean, sure. You know, sure. But listen, if you're not getting on base and you're not even hitting home runs like you were signed to do, I, I mean, what's what's the point? So I'm glad they didn't re-sign him. There was just no point. I'm sure he'll get another chance somewhere else. It just makes sense considering he's got the power capability. Maybe he DHs somewhere. Um I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but anyway, moving on from the Sox. Notre Dame 2020 football season. Wow. Uh, a team that I just didn't think going into this year had the defensive talent, had the offensive line talent, had the receiving talent. But you best believe the defense this year is probably better than two years ago. It's definitely better than last year. I'm thinking it's probably better than two years ago when they went to the playoff. And it almost seems... I don't want to say likely, but it certainly seems certainly seems likely that Notre Dame is going to find their way into the playoffs unless they get really beaten down uh, by Clemson next week. Because if that's the case, I could totally see the committee kind of removing Notre Dame from that if they get beat really bad by Clemson. Maybe they put Florida in there, but you know, Florida's not going to win the SEC, so they're you know, who, who's even in, is it Alabama and who? SEC Championship game. Um, oh, let's see here. Who is that, some Tom Cruise news? Uh, no, that's, we don't care about Top Gun. Okay. So, okay. Mm, okay, so it will be Alabama and Florida on December 19th. So that's, again, next Saturday, just like Notre Dame-Clemson. That's a big Saturday right there. You would, if you're Notre Dame, you absolutely hope Alabama wins that game because even if Alabama loses, uh, they're going to make the playoff. That's just guaranteed. Um, and after they, after the Big Ten kind of realigned their um, their uh, requirements for getting in the Big Ten championship game today, uh, Ohio State's definitely going to win that championship game against Northwestern. They'll be in, which is unfortunate because they have six wins. Notre Dame is ten. You know, you know, whatever. Uh, Okay, so let's say Clemson does beat Notre Dame. You have Alabama, you have Clemson, you have Ohio State. There's that four spot. So Notre Dame at 10-1 and one with the most wins, or at that point would be tied for the most wins, in the NCAA would be up against Texas A&M, which isn't going to the SEC Championship game. So I don't know how you can let it Texas A&M in. But they're currently higher ranked than Florida. Um, I don't think they allow Cincinnati into this. That doesn't seem to make much of, much sense. Indiana has virtually no chance. I don't think Miami's getting in. You're not letting Coastal Carolina in. So at this point, are you just going to put Notre Dame in there at 10-1? and 1? I'm telling you, unless they get blown out, I think that that's what's going to happen. 
because their only loss would be to Clemson. Clemson being probably the second best team in the country. Notre Dame's already beaten Clemson. I know their quarterback wasn't with them, but that backup quarterback did one hell of a job, probably almost as good as Trevor Lawrence has been this year. So I don't know how much different it would be. Um, I really do want to beat Clemson. I want to beat Clemson so badly that we just knock them out of the playoff. And then that four spot is, who knows, could be a random team at that point. But Notre Dame's more than likely going to face Ohio State in that game, that that first playoff game. If they win, they will face Ohio State. That's just what's going to happen. So, mm, that, I guess the only way it wouldn't happen is if Notre Dame blows Clemson out, which won't happen. But if they do, then they have two wins against Clemson. That's the best resume out there, then they would get the number one spot, I imagine. How do you put Alabama over Notre Dame if they've beaten Clemson twice? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be fun. Um, Yeah, I'm curious. It's just NCAA this year is just very weird. I, I don't even really know how to react to it. It doesn't seem as real as it normally does, but I'm really enjoying this last ride with the in-book, and I think that the defense is really exciting. They stop, they stop teams relatively often, so... Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's cool. I, I'm I'm excited for the remaining uh, ACC championship game and then whatever bowl game or if they do end up in the playoff, Notre Dame participates in. So anyway, let's move on to Spider-Man three. So we got a bunch of rumors and casting announcements from that movie this year, or that I should say it's filming right now. Uh, so Doctor Strange is confirmed. Apparently, Doc Ock, uh, uh, uh Al Molina is going to be reprising that role uh again from spider-man 2 which is interesting that movie was 2004 2020 crazy crazy stuff but that's not all because apparently andrew garfield emma stone kirsten dunce toby mcguire um obviously j jonah jameson and jk simmons coming back you have all those people reportedly coming back and then today it's, there's reports that Charlie Cox is going to be in the movie as Daredevil and, and Matt Murdock. That one seems less likely. i got to be honest with you. It seems less likely. But the others I could see happening. The Tobey one is very interesting. What else does Tobey Maguire even do at this point? I mean, what was his last role? It was a voice in Boss Baby, right? Wasn't that it? Didn't I do this the last time we had a podcast? I went through Tobey Maguire's uh, filmography. Like... I've always heard that he's not maybe the most well-liked guy in Hollywood. Yeah, he was a voice in Boss Baby in 2017 and hasn't done anything in live action since Pawn Sacrifice in 2014. And apparently he's going to be in Damien Chazelle's uh, um, Babylon, uh, which is filming now, and Margot Robbie, I guess, replaced Emma Stone, which which is a bummer, to be honest with you. But maybe Emma Stone can film that movie because she's got to film the Spider-Man movie. Who knows? I don't know. It's all chaos. I, I kind of miss Tobey Maguire as an actor because I always liked him, even though he's not the most likable guy. Uh, and I'm just excited for whatever Spider-Man 3 brings to the table. Uh, the other big bombshell within the last week was Warner Brothers announcing that every single one of their films next year are going to be released day and date. In theaters and HBO Max immediately. So that starts with Wonder Woman, December 25th on Christmas, which is exciting to me. Honestly, it's very exciting. It's going to be a 4K. I cannot flip and wait to watch that movie. 
If it's not on Christmas, it's the day after Christmas. I'll tell you that. My God, I cannot wait to. But the real story here was Christopher Nolan coming out and pretty much just bashing Warner Brothers and HBO Max for being the worst streaming service, which I got to tell you, like HBO Max itself hasn't fully fleshed itself out, I don't think. But HBO is far from the worst. I mean, HBO puts out the best content out of any streamer or premium cable option out there um, by far. To me, their documentary stuff, their hardcore drama series, I mean, The Undoing, I just finished that last week. It's fantastic. Um, just over the years, HBO has the most incredible stuff. Uh, but Nolan, this could be the end with Warner Brothers. And that is really, that's the story. Because I can totally see Nolan taking this, just being pissed off for two years, waiting for theaters to actually come back if they ever do. And maybe if they don't come back, what if Nolan just doesn't doesn't direct movies anymore? You know what I mean? Maybe he's that stubborn that he needs a the theatrical experience. And if he doesn't have that theatrical experience, he doesn't make movies. Because I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I think it was always a little questionable, the... Uh, box office receipts of Tenet. I don't think that they were ever where they should have been. Um, and even if you didn't have COVID, I honestly, I said this, I don't know where that movie would have really ended up box office wise. Like, okay, so it made $359 million worldwide in a pandemic. That's actually pretty dang impressive, if you ask me. Um, I don't know if, like, okay, so if there's no pandemic, maybe that makes $500 million. Like maybe maybe it does add another hundred hundred and fifty million maybe, because the word of mouth on the movie was like you got to see this. I have no idea what I just saw. You got to see this. The problem is, is that I just don't think the movie is accessible to the to the the non mainstream audience, and those are the people who didn't go to the movie theater during the pandemic, because the people who went and saw Tenant are the diehard movie fans that need to see the movie. But the people that the, those people would have told to go see the movie weren't going to go to a theater during a the pandemic because they don't really go anyway. So like, ah, there's no real reason to go if, you know, there's a pandemic and there's only one movie out. You know, it's fine. Like, we don't need to go, you know. So how much really would it have added? It's not accessible. It's very inside baseball. It's a like borderline great movie. It's very good. I don't know if it's great. Uh, it's probably the most interesting movie I saw this year and the most thought-provoking. But... I don't. I just don't know how accessible it is. I can't wait to watch it again. I mean, you best believe I'm going to buy that 4K the day it comes out. Um, I just don't know. I, I just don't know where that movie really falls with the mainstream audience. I'm, I, and I don't think the movie's been talked about at all since it came out. So, you know, that's that could be it. That could be legitimately it for for Nolan with Warner Brothers. Uh, moving on, Deadpool three officially in the works at Marvel. Shocker. I mean. Come on, we already knew this was going to happen. It was just a matter of uh, getting the word out to the trade so that Boris and and uh, Justin Kroll could write about it. Apparently, the bigger story is Rhett and Reese uh, are not coming back to write it, which interesting, interesting choice. But you know, after Deadpool two, like I, you kind of want like a fresh take. Yeah, I think the the writing was excellent in the first one. I think the second one a little bit lackluster. It's a fun movie, but it's not something I've really gone back to watch since the theater. I think I've only seen it that one time. Unless I saw it a second time, I can't even remember at this point. Um, Mandalorian season two, like, how do I feel? I wrote that down. Like, I mean, what do we think so far? I think the last episode being 32 minutes long. That's it. That's it. For a drama series, we're doing 32-minute episodes. And really, it's like probably like 28 considering the four-minute credits with the incredible credit music. But 
I don't know. Um, I'm liking the series. I just don't. I just think it's ultimately like the same thing, right? Like, Mandalorian gets in trouble, gets help from somebody in exchange. They help fix his ship, saves Baby Yoda once again, or Grogu now as they call him, and then it moves on to the next episode, and then he goes somewhere else. It's the same thing every week. I mean, whatever, you know. But it's good. I mean, we left off a good, good cliffhanger the last episode with uh, Moff Gideon kind of getting back control of Grogu. I mean, whatever. You know, I'm going to see where this ends up. I'm excited about it, but it's not something I'm going to hold out hopes that the show's suddenly going to become Game of Thrones or uh, Walking Dead, you know, where there's legitimate stakes and there's a little bit legitimate character build out for everybody. There's depth. I just don't think that's the show. So hopefully the Marvel shows will be a little bit better on Disney+. Plus. Happy four-year anniversary to one of my favorite movies ever. That is Damien Chazelle's La La Land. It's four, it came out four years ago today. I think I saw it on the 16th of December, actually, because it didn't come wide until a week later. I mean, I honestly just never forget the feeling I had coming out of that movie. I saw it seven times in theaters because I kept wanting to see. I kept wanting to feel the, the, the emotions that I felt after watching that movie. And... There's just nothing, there's nothing quite like that film. There's nothing quite like it. And as I've done the last couple of years, I can't wait to watch it on Christmas Eve. For some reason, that's the movie I like watching on Christmas Eve. I don't know why. It just is. So, all right. Uh, I got Mia's DNA test results back, actually. And she is, shocker, a 50% golden retriever. Or not a golden retriever. Labrador retriever. Uh, and that's not a shocker at all. She's like 34% Australian cattle dog, which is interesting. It's kind of where she gets her big, big, thick tail, a lot thicker than a typical Labrador retriever's tail would have. Um, and that's where they get the white paws in there too. I think she's a, like a tiny, tiny bit chow chow and then like a super mutt and there's like an Eskimo dog in there and then a, a flat coated retriever as well. So interesting Maybe not as dynamic as I thought the DNA results would be, but still something that's interesting to know about. Uh, but that's pretty much going to do it, and I'll end this episode like I've ended the last few. Netflix, do whatever you can. Save Glow. That show deserves a final fourth season. Come on. Save Glow.